Can we achieve excellence by running contrary to our standard modes of excellence? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We're up to the Torah portion of Toldos, the portion in which we encounter Yaakov and Esav, first as they are born and as they start to grow. And the text describes Esav as the Ish Sayyid. He is the hunter, not only out there in the fields, but he's side Befiv. He hunts with his mouth, as described by Rashi and other commentaries. He is the one who can manipulate, maneuver, outmaneuver, con people into getting what he's wanting out of them through his hunting capacity. Very much unlike that is his brother Yaakov. Yaakov is the Ish Tam. Tam, the word tame in English, Rashi describes the one who couldn't be like Esav, seemingly, even if he tried. He just doesn't have the capacity to be tricking people. He is naturally Tom, perfect, simple, unsophisticated, uncomplicated, aiming to do simply that which is right. Yaakov is described as a man of MS, a man of truth. Truth, unadulterated, MS, nothing other than perfection. And very interestingly, when Yaakov later in the Parsha has to rise to the occasion of doing something that is very contrary to that, based on his mother's prophetic understanding that the blessings that Yitzchak is considering to give to Esau must come to Yaakov. Yaakov is put to the test. Can I act unlike my natural self? Can I act as the non-tam, that non tame, simple person? Can I act any more complex, sophisticated, trying to manipulate and maneuver in order to accomplish a certain goal? And similarly, in next week's Parsha, we're going to find Yaakov, when dealing with his con artist of an uncle, of a father-in-law, Lavan, Yaakov ends up having to use traits that are very out of sync with his natural traits. Yaakov, who has been described as the man of MS, man of Tom of that simple perfection has to be outmaneuvering his otherwise outmaneuvering father-in-law Lavan and ironically displaying his capacity to be unlike himself. Similarly, we find this by Avraham. Avraham, the man of chesed, the man of giving, what can I do to provide for others proactively looking to give and to be godlike and being a giver of good is tested by God in his capacity to do other than that. Can he cast out Hagar? Can he cast out Hagar and Yishmael? Any father would have a hard time casting out his son. Somebody whose whole life is about giving and being there for the other, having to cast them out. Later on, when God tells him to do what sounds like he's being asked to sacrifice his own son Yitzchak, again, running absolutely contrary to everything about the chesed that Abraham has mastered. He's being tested in his capacity to act unlike his natural self. And sometimes our greatness, as much as we cultivate greatness by cultivating certain tendencies and certain traits and developing them to perfection, sometimes our true greatness is when we can overcome our tendency to just be ourselves in this moment and follow what is a certain set path of, okay, this is his good nature, this is 
her natural tendency to do good of the following type, but to override that with a different trait that is more difficult and more out of sync with our natural capacity. I think when I'm making these comments of my father of blessed memory, anybody of our Baltimore listeners, uh, if you've been in Baltimore more than uh, 19 years, actually 20 years ago already, he passed away. But uh, anybody there, actually, I know we have some listeners in uh, in Connecticut, but I don't think any in New London, Connecticut, where he was a pulpit rabbi for a bunch of years. And I'm really doubt we have any uh, uh, listeners in Fort Belvoir, Washington, where he was a military chaplain, but we do have in, in New York, where he had lived, in Manchester, England, where he was raised, um, Budapest, where he lived for the first few years. Budapest, this wasn't so manifest because he lived, left there when he was three, but everywhere else, he was known as a person of shalom. A man of peace, a man of harmony, who created peace, who interacted with people comfortably and made them happy to interact with him and made them happy to interact with others. A man who could help diffuse tension between people, whether in a community uh, leadership setting or in any other type of uh, situation, social, family, connecting, whether it was the greatest of scholars that he could schmooze with comfortably to the individual who had no connection really with Judaism or simply wasn't Jewish, but interfaced with him on the street as the mailman or the uh, the fireman in Baltimore uh, knew who he was. That ability to be comfortable with everybody, make them comfortable with him and comfortable with each other. Yet, there were situations where he had to do the exact opposite. And rather than being a man of shalom, stand very firm for the cause of truth and for Torah preaches, and um, some of Baltimore may remember there was a famous rally uh, on behalf of Shabbos in the community, and in opposition to one agency in town that was I mean, doing something very much threatening Shabbos, to stand and make a public declaration that was going against the grain of simply let's all be kind of kumbaya, comfortable with each other. But there are lines that have to be, there are standards that have to be met, and truth has to be proclaimed. And when in one instance, there was an issue on a communal level where he was playing a role of, of leadership and somebody was challenging the, the Baltimore rabbinate, where he had to take a very strong stance of making a, a declaration against somebody in terms of the fact that if you're going to do something that is going to be challenging the local authority in a very severe way, in a way that could be very damaging to the community long term, then there has to be a statement made to stop that. And then bounce back to be the man of shalom. It's very difficult to be able to shift from what is our natural tendency and not rewrite our natural tendencies. Come back, default to shalom, but I have to stand up in a true sense of what really will lead the ultimate shalom really and a big deal of the synthesis of man and God and the real harmony in the world has to sometimes take a very strong uh, challenge to what would be the more simple shalom of the moment our capacity to break from our natural tendencies can serve us well in a whole other realm as well, and that's in terms of shalom bias. Imagine a situation, he and she, new couple, she is super organized. She is super orderly. She is expecting a home where everything has a perfect place, everything matches perfectly, all elements of the home are coordinated, well-synchronized, and that's just not the way he operates. I mean, his desk, several big, big piles of papers, and this pile is 
mostly the incoming stuff for the middle two thirds of the pile includes some other elements and the other pile is mostly outgoing stuff, except the, the bottom quarter is actually incoming, but I kind of know that and I know where the line is and just and what's the other pile, I can't really even give you one term to describe what belongs in that pile because just kind of arbitrarily all work together, but I know that a quarter of the way down there is where I have X number of documents and that's the way he operates and it's worked for him. But that is a shock to her system. And it just, that's, that's not a home. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not safe. It runs so against the grain of everything that she has in terms of what a home looks like. She may need to give him some space and hopefully maybe gradually over time as he learns how important organization is to her, he starts maneuvering in that direction. But for her to be able to say there can be something other than this perfect organization and life can go on. And that it's possible that, well, this area I anticipated would be our tennis supplies. So why is there a golf club over there? That's totally out of whack. And that's disrupting my, every part of my internal fiber is, is in conflict with this. But you know what? I'm going to take deep breath and life can go on. And it, even it's against a natural tendency that served me very well and serves others well. Others rely on the fact I'm so organized and I'm so orderly and I'm, my, my home has a certain look to it, but I can handle the fact that there's a breach of that. Well, again, on his end, hopefully he's learning to respect the fact this is so important to her and I start adjusting. The other direction, let's imagine he is a guy who's super time focused. He clocks in at work, 8.30, his workday starts. He is at his desk, 8.29 and a half, every single day of every week, of every month, of every year. That's just, that's how he is. Events, is an event that starts at 8 o'clock at night. He is in the door at that event at 8 o'clock at night. And that serves him well. People can rely on him. If he's picking them up at a certain time, they know he's being, they're being picked up at a certain time. They're not going to miss a train or a plane if they're getting a ride with him. They know that when it comes to running, you know, if there's a board meeting and he's running the meeting, they know we're going to be done on time. And they know that when it comes to mitzvah performance, this serves him well as well. Many mitzvahs have a time frame and he's going to always get it right. But she doesn't operate that way. There's an event at 8 o'clock at night that gives her a ballpark idea that somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30, she's going to be getting ready to go to the event. The way she's managed at work. She found herself a type of job that has fluidity and there's no clocking in at an ex certain time. You get the job done over the course of the week and it's worked for her and it keeps her calm and she's not stressed and strained by the clock. But now, hey, he's expecting to be at the event at eight. <laughs> she's expecting to potentially start deciding what she's going to wear sometime between 7.30 and 8.30. While she learns to respect how important this is to him, it will serve him well to learn that if he's not there at 8 o'clock, wife will go on. This is not his own wedding they're going to. Then they're getting their half hour or an hour or an hour of flight is not going to really throw off the entire event. Our ability to take traits that are good traits, traits that we may have worked a long time in developing, and understand that forgoing that for a moment may be okay. And understand there'll be situations that we've got to go against that grain and, and, and actually do the antithesis of it for a greater good. That's where we really shine. So we should keep developing the good traits, keep developing 
all of the positive, but understand that there's a time and a place for everything. And there are contexts in which we have to shift tracks and allow for a greater good than the good that we naturally default to. If we can do that, keep developing good traits, recognize that at times we have to ease up because of some other greater good in this moment, then at times we're going to have to utilize a trait that runs totally contrary. Keeping that in mind and the real gauge of this, what is the right move in this moment? What does Hashem want from us? What does God want me to be doing in this moment? What traits should I be exercising? What does excellence look like in this moment? If we can aim for that, we can expect to aim to be the type of people who will be destined to achieve Eratachlist.